I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's small, it's brown, it's made of leather. It has my initials on it, I believe that's it. Don't forget, the grandparents are coming this afternoon. Are we still having dinner with the rice checks? Riz checks, 8 o'clock at the club. Oh, and you better learn their names as of tomorrow, their family. That's a lovely thought. What do they want? Sex. This is Film Oh, sure. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Film Sack. This is Film Sack, episode 401, mining the very depths of film entertainment for all mankind, the Coverthon edition. That's right. Mm. We're live, and we'll get to that all in a second and explain what that means <laughs> and how you can uh, be rad while we're doing this live today. In the meantime, I'm Scott Johnson, joined by Brian, named after a duck's dork Dunaway. Dork's duck Dunaway. <laughs> oh, hi, Film Sack. Yeah. Chronologically, your episode 401 today. Physically, you're still 400. No, I didn't expect us to wake up transformed. I just thought that turning 401 is so major that we'd wake up with an improved mental state that would show on our faces. Mm. All that shows is the fact that we are all out of coffee and 9 a.m. liquor. We're all out. <laughs> also, who plans a 401st episode on Black Friday during and Coverthon? I mean, come on. <laughs> How are we supposed to compete with that? Just look at Ibbett. He's online shopping right now and sporting at least a negative four inches of bod. That's a hair reference, Scott. <laughs> Took me about 15 minutes to reel that one in. Yeah. Oh, she's talking about hair volume. Mm. That kind of bod. Anywho, our listeners are probably pissed that we haven't let them wish us a happy 401 yet. Of course, they probably effing forgot. <laughs> Too busy down at the Walmart digging through DVD bins, throwing elbows and kicking shins, fighting for the last copy of Pretty in Pink. <laughs> which is where I'll be in about half an hour in the DVD bin, not being pretty in pink. Though I think I can pull it off. Yeah. All right. Happy Coverthon. <laughs> Nicely done. It's in keeping Wonderful. with your usual uh, awesomeness. Also with us, Randy, still wishing Billy Bird was with us, Jordan. Aloha, Scott. Brian. Brian. Morning. Randy. Never tell you boys about the time I owned a rich folks with teenagers custodial services company. No. Not even once. Yep. True, true story. Rich folks, kids, 
make huge messes, and we come along and clean up. It seems pretty straightforward, but it ain't. It's got so many tricks to it. Like, I'll just tell you one. Did you know that girls are always getting things caught indoors? Hmm. It's true, I tell you. And it's funny. <laughs> so, so funny. Oh, you know what else is funny? Inebriated people. In real life, you see inebriated people all the time, and you just laugh and laugh. And even when you've already laughed at the first three inebriated people you saw today, here comes a bride, another one, and you just laugh at that one, too. Yeah! <laughs> nice. Nice. We got out his... I love when Randy brings his hick with him. I like it. I do, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah It's yeah. pretty good. No offense makes, to any makes actual your, Reminds me of home. Yeah, exactly. You got the hick and the... Did I ever tell you about the time? It's yeah. like a, it's a twofer. It is a twofer, and it feels it's good. Speaking of which, finally, but never withstanding. That's not a word. Or that's not a way of saying things. Anyway... <laughs> It's Brian, not enough subplot with the jockstrap head kids ibit. Oh, so true. By the way, Dunaway, I feel like if Robin Williams were still with us, he'd go, oh, that guy pulls him right out of left field. Crazy all over the place. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, All right. So it's certainly a little racist to to play the gong sound every time Lung Duck Dong appears on screen Mm -hmm. or gets his name mentioned. But... You know, maybe it wouldn't be so bad if it, if it didn't just limit it to Asian racism mm. and mm-hmm. not use, use them throughout the film. For example, how about if we heard this sound every time a Latin American appeared on screen? Aye, aye, aye. Or, or this one every time a uh, Canadian actor appeared on screen. Good day, eh? <laughs> or how about this one every time a millennial white woman said a line? Take a selfie. <laughs> I, can we keep going? Hold like, on a second. I want. I want, I want my. Like keep going. Like, I, I want my own. Every time, an, every time someone from Brooklyn is on the screen and makes <laughs> keep going. Oh my gosh! I want my very own flesh and blood soundboard. That's an amazing idea. <laughs> well done, Tina Ibbett. Uh, real quick, we should mention this uh, uh, before we get to Sixteen Candles, which is our film, and we're happy to be doing that. But as a, as yearly tradition dictates, we come out here and do a live episode of the show on the annual Coverthon by the one and only Brian Ibbett, uh, an event that uh, spans many, many hours and is designed to uh, collect money for research in the area of Alzheimer's uh, disease. And it's a fantastic cause, a great place to stick a little money if you got some. And uh, Ibbett, do you want anything else you want to say about it before we get moving? No, I mean, just go to uh, Coverville.com, go to the top of the page. There's a donate link right there. Click that donate link. And I think we're trying to figure out if the QR code is working, so... For right now, use the donate link. And now Tina's going to tell you where she's about to disappear to, what she's going to go do. Oh, fun. <laughs> All right, where are you going, Tina? Tina, what are you going to go do? <laughs> I'm going to go pick up poop in the backyard. Nice. Pick up poop. <laughs> nice. It truly is well, it, Brown Friday. Right. Fantastic. <laughs> 18, well, since, 18 hours of poop scooping. Yeah, right. yeah that'll learn you some. Since uh, Brian is here, I know she's not talking about him. No. Pass out drunk <laughs> exactly. in the backyard. No. Yes, well, who do you think uh, made the, all yeah. the mess in the backyard? Right. We know That's what's hilarious. Up. We know what's real. Bad right. things happen. Can I ask one question before we start, though? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is, there, is there any contingent, if someone is listening later to this, not live, that they can go back and still donate? Is there any yearly thing they, they can do? They still can, yes. I keep this link up for about a week after Coverthon, so as long as it's before November 30th, mm-hmm. uh, then they can continue to uh, donate. Because uh, the, the gift-matching thing is at the beginning of December, so... Yeah, a lot of people will be listening this Monday, probably. Yeah, so that'd yeah be great. exactly. Yeah, I always yeah. try and uh, time it so that the uh, when we do the Alzheimer's donation, there's a, a gift-matching 
uh, that doubles it basically. So nice. very nice. It's a great cause. Uh, so go and, and throw, throw a little cash at it. And if you're not there for the live stuff right now and listening to us now, nothing's stopping you from going in later after you've heard the podcast. So go mm-hmm. check it out. Coverville.com for details. Exactly. Uh, all right, let's get to it. It is 16 candles, the directorial mm. debut of John Hughes, not his first written, uh, job. There are many before this, but his first directing and writing of any film, uh, you got your Molly Ringwald and your Anthony Michael Hall and your everyone else. We'll get to all of them. And, uh, <laughs> your everybody else. Yeah. I mean, they were really, they really were the two uh, John Hughes um, salt and pepper shakers, right? I mean, right, it's basically right. he used them throughout uh, throughout yeah. most of his films. There were a couple films that didn't feature either of them. Yeah, but, of course. Uh, yeah. You fools! But it, know, but also, right? yeah, it's a good point. But also, you know, this movie's got the Cusack. Uh, siblings in it they're mm-hmm. they're not necessarily known for Hughes films but they ran kind of parallel in uh, other movies that were comparable uh, say anything and, and you know better off dead and all that sort of stuff we're all it's, very Hughes like and kind of from the same era it's funny I mean Anthony Michael Hall was such a staple that uh, for like a split second and mind you just a split second um, I was thinking that uh, Edward Scissorhands was a John Hughes film and not a Tim Burton oh, film. Oh, that's that interesting. Mm. That would be fun. Mm. Yeah, I, I might have preferred it. If I'm being but honest. this is, yeah, this, is <laughs> uh, this is Molly Ringwald's first true. Uh, we we seen her performance right. This is the first time I ever saw. But when did it, so I well, always no, got it I, wasn't for me. Well, what was your first? What's your first My Molly first Ringwald? Was, uh, Space Hunter Adventures wow. in the Forbidden Zone in 3D. Wow. <laughs> that was not until much later on that I saw that. That was kind of what is this crap? So yeah, I interesting. I can't wait till it's streaming because that is so, that is made for film sack. I'm pretty sure that I first remember her as a character that crossed over on multiple TV series. Mm. Yeah. On yeah. You know, like sitcoms. Yeah. I right. remember this character being in in different sitcoms. And I, I I know for sure that she was in Different Strokes and uh, Facts, Facts of Life. Of life. The, the Facts of Life, thank you. The the, Facts of Life, uh, yeah. I don't remember. I was, like, was going to say, the, she, was the, she was the same character, Molly Parker, in both series because oh, those really? do those do are, are related because uh, yeah. Mrs. Garrett was uh, the housekeeper for uh, Different Strokes characters. Yeah, it's uh, one of the more successful, I, I shouldn't say yeah, it's not yeah. hugely successful, but a successful spinoff. It did okay on its own and became its own thing. Kind of Fraser like in that regard, but yeah, she she was she would show up on different strokes in a, in a crossover capacity, in the same way that occasionally Willis and freaking Arnold would show up in uh, the other one. So there was there was all that going on. Back I never I, realized there was any other crossover between those shows than Mrs. Garrett. Right, like, right. I didn't realize that they had the Benson thing where you know it was, <laughs> it was very boss showed up at, uh, at the school. It was very loose. Yeah, yeah it was very did, loose. Didn't, tie. Uh, it was was there. Silver Spoons was also a spinoff of, of uh, Different Strokes, wasn't it? Right, right. Yeah. I, it was, and it was just because Ricky Schroeder was friends with. Uh, yeah, he was a rich friend uh, of Arnold's or something. He was a rich friend of Arnold's. Yeah, yeah. Went off and did his own and, damn thing. And you know what? Television never quite figured out how much we love. Uh, parading characters through shows that they don't naturally belong in. Like, if right. if television had figured that out, Night Court would have been nothing but <laughs> a parade of people from other shows. Oh, anyway, yeah. cool would that have been, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Like the love boat of court comedy. I would have yeah. been, so, been into that. So now, the thing is, you ended up seeing a lot of people that would be, go on to become famous in Night yeah. Court, but they hadn't hit it yet. So when you see, you know, people like Data, uh, Data show up, and you're like, oh, look, it's Data. 
And but there's no data yet. He's just an actor no. you don't know yet. And yeah. Then, yeah. I, imagine if Data and Jordy in character <laughs> made out were oh. in a crossover episode. That would have been amazing. But anyway, listen. I I thought that I watched Sixteen Candles uh, mm-hmm. as a like a teenager. Not not when it came out, but like later when it would have been a little closer to uh, age interest for me. Yeah. And I thought that I watched it and thought of Molly Ringwald as this person I'd seen before and all this stuff. So then sitting and watching it with you guys, I'm like, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen. Turns out, I don't think I've actually seen the movie. Mm. You, know, I, you, know, you might be yeah. thinking of pretty, like, if you're, you're was, thinking of Pretty in Pink, dude, because that's what I did. Happens, I, must be. Happens yeah. to me every time. Yeah. I, was, I was like, for, for starters, I was really, really impressed with what a good director John Hughes is. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. performance he gets out of actual sixteen-year-olds mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like the, the scene where yeah. the the right. scene where Molly Ringwald and Anthony Michael Hall are sitting in the hulk of a busted car in a shop, mm-hmm. and and just interacting is remarkable. And you know, like you want to call them pros, even as teenagers, and they were. But John Hughes was also a massive pro in that moment he got he got these great great performances out of people mm-hmm. at the same time he's working from a script that is garbage yeah, and, yeah. and the whole time i'm like thinking i'm i'm expecting such a better movie mm. and i actually had it in my head that this was a thing where everyone was uh playing a trick on her and at the end of the day there's a huge party for her <laughs> and also that it was a single day a day in the life movie and it's not right. it's mm-hmm. actually a it's actually a uh party a kids party mm-hmm. movie with the morning after mm-hmm. and that i i didn't know at all it's and still it's still like 48 hours of right yeah. isn't it yes yeah, in a very short time frame and also hours. you yeah. can't you can't totally forgive him as a director without acknowledging he wrote the piece of crap that he's directing well yeah but right. i mean that's the thing like he wrote it so he understands it really really well and he gets right. these great performances mm-hmm. but at the same time i mean what are what are you thinking like i i didn't know <laughs> i honestly didn't know until today that Long Duck Dong is a freaking travesty of film. Like it's right, it's, right. It should have been considered insane and horrible at the time. I don't yeah. know how it wasn't. Well, yeah. I mean, it kind of. Uh, all right, here's here's my take on this. I think this is, in retrospect, having seen everything he's ever done and thinking that John Hughes is an incredibly important director in my generation. You know, I just have no doubt about that. And his mm-hmm. his 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 influence continues on well into the future and anything that's ever any good in in the way that this that his movies are good i think they owe something to him so having said that i think now after seeing all this stuff recently it might be the weakest of the movies and i don't know if that's because he started with it this is his first direction job uh or if it's just that this aims more in the porky's direction and less to the more genuine direction i think things like breakfast club uh, aim. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know exactly. I don't really have a great answer for it. It's just to say, I don't think it's, it holds up as well as it does. And, I'm, like, and I don't think it's just because there's some stuff in it like Lung Duck Dong or others or other uh, aspects that are, you know, not cool in today's political date, climate. Date rapey. Like, let me, let me, yeah. I want to, I want to dig a tiny bit into, and I know this is not, we don't have forever, but I just want to dig a tiny <laughs> bit into the aims in the Porky's direction thing, because that 
fascinated me. I was blown away how early in the film we had a, an actress standing naked in a in a shower and people looking at her just for pure TNA, like the only reason oh, totally. for that in the film. While at the same time, the script, John Hughes is trying really, really hard to have this be a character study. We see that naked woman through the eyes of the main character and how she is, you know, herself, like, embarrassed and still interested and so on. And, and like, you can't help, even at that point, like, where she goes to her home and her grandparents are there, and they are so cringy. You're mm -hmm. like... This is this is funny, sure, this could be like Porky's, but no, actually, I'm taking the empathetic route here, and I'm really feeling for her. Like, you can tell when they go to try to hug her and she doesn't want to hug her grandparents, you can tell that's the point of that scene. The point isn't just to make you laugh, but to ha have you feel something about the character. Yeah, no, I agree. And I agree 100%, and I think that's indicative of most of his work, and so there's definitely John Hughes fingerprints all over this thing in the, in those ways. But I think there's a lot of filler that is just cheap, cheap, easy, easy target stuff. Yes. Yeah. Like, here's a party, tons of teenagers. It's a mess. The dad's rich. Here's the car. He's going to mess that car up. In fact, you see a lot of these themes in, in, in other movies that would come later, like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, like uh, uh, not Some Kind of Wonderful, or my thing is the wrong one. Um uh, the one, pink or, no the one uh, where breakfast club no the one where redhead where mask uh and uh <laughs> oh. <laughs> what's that called that is some kind of wonderful some eric kind of wonderful stoltz. yeah yeah yeah. eric yeah, stoltz yeah, yeah. that's yeah. who i meant i always say mask because i can't remember his the name. only thing mask. you think of is you know mask you know mask mask look at him mask look at him half breed or uh right. i never know what to call him but yeah like he those things would show up later in his own stories and um, I, have, I mean, I have to tell you, it's kind of a weird thing because I watched in the exact same 24-hour period, I watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and then this. Oh, Thanksgiving, the best Thanksgiving movie. And maybe the, the best. The only Thanksgiving it's movie. It's the only Thanksgiving movie, but it's also the best Thanksgiving movie, but not just because it's right. the only. It's just such a great yeah. movie, and it holds up every time you watch it. It's fantastic, but it's very different than this. But still John Hughes, written and directed, blah, blah, blah. I think it may I'm be glad. his best work because, yeah. again, what he does is he, he milks out of farcical situations real human connection and emotion and he does it better than anybody from that era it's an amazing it's an amazing thing he does uh, I'm, I'm dig i am glad we we addressed the dong in the room we got that out early <laughs> we got that out real early yeah. um but you know i that's one thing that john hughes does is he brings uh he brings an honesty uh to to his his characters because it is even if it means that we could almost hate them. We feel like they are being absolutely honest. And I think that's the only redeemable thing about his characters is their honesty mm. because otherwise they're horrible people, horrible. Mm. Right. Just about everybody in this movie is, is, is worthy of loathe. Mm. But, uh, for some reason it, it can't be their actions. It, it has to be their honesty. But it's uh, a, a thing know. that he didn't really master until yeah, later yeah. movies, because this time with this one, the, the characters that are, likable and and feel real are molly ringwald's character and anthony michael hall's character even though he's still kind of a caricature but the the uh the two nerds with the the um the helmet jock on. straps head, on their head, head i mean yeah. even head gear, always head yeah. gear. well even uh uh john kuzak and the other guy who also who will forever be known as the other guy <laughs> Yeah, right. Wall, <laughs> caricatures. The boy that she likes is just the most boring drip ever, and there's no yeah. real character development there. So it's like he's figured out how to make two characters, how to make the two main characters um, 
real, feel real, yeah. but hasn't figured out how to make all the other yeah, characters. Why, why are we pulling for... I mean, I, I tried to figure it out. I'm like, why are we actually pulling for Molly Ringwald to do anything here? Because there's no clear-cut reason why I should pull for her other than she is just being an absolute honest I, representation of what a 16-year-old really is. Yeah. I, I want to I also want to push back against that. I actually think that that uh Hughes really really likes and cares about this character and it I, I came through for me. It it really like set with me that she is a normal complicated person with an inner life and agency and all this other stuff like it was it was kind of remarkable in that way because my favorite john hughes film is uh ferris bueller's day off i will always love it the characters are all caricatures yeah and i i i'm also a little afraid to revisit that film because they really are caricatures like no one at that age has ever been as successful and brilliant as ferris bueller he's written that way and it's great but this is this is like the opposite of that. No one in this film is really that successful, except the hunks' parents, apparently, who have like both a Porsche and a Rolls Royce in the garage. Anyway, I just like I I really I really felt like that. Like the wait, the was that the girl's parents or the real. boy? Was it the hunky boy or the girl? The the I think it was the hunky boy because yeah, he, it was his dad's car. He was, yeah, he was freely yeah exactly ready to give the uh, Rolls Royce to Anthony Michael Hall. That guy's for whatever be reason like yeah. That, there's so little weird. knowledge about this character. Yeah. No, yeah. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong, but I will say this, Randy. I didn't mean to interrupt you, so I want to come back to you. But I just want to say about that guy, just to give him a little defense. I actually think Jake? he I'm, – I'm a little surprised he didn't become kind of a huge star. He stopped doing things after like uh, pretty quick here. i got to find the dates. Yeah, he, uh, Wild Hearts is the last thing uh, I have listed for him. We're talking about Michael – Schofling? Uh, Schofling? Is that, Schofling, I think you say his name. Yeah, Schofling? he stopped in 1991. Yeah, and, and our – I think the best trivia about the whole movie is that he somehow beat out Viggo Mortensen for that part. Right, right, yeah. right. And and I was just thinking, oh, wow. like the whole film, I'm just like, just imagine who else, like who else you basically beat out if you're if you're beating out Viggo Mortensen. Like Matt Dillon could have played this role. Matt Dillon would have been perfect. I, yeah. yeah. In my mind, it actually was Matt Dillon. He kind of looks a little bit like Matt Dillon. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he's a fine pick, but I agree he's written pretty shallow. I mean, he's not. Oh, yeah. for sure. In terms of his ability to do whatever he had to do, he was fine. But I, I don't think he. We know. see no reason he, for uh, Samantha to be attracted to right. him other than he is a good looking guy. Yeah. He and happened see, to and, be sitting there when she was writing herself porn. Right. That's all there is to it. Right. He happened to be. And that's right. and that's yeah. like. I'm okay with that. Like that doesn't that doesn't blow my mind. I'm not okay with the whole film going by and then he gets the girl in the end. By the way, he dumps the prom queen and immediately right. gets the girl the next day. Like that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, that's He's pretty good. That's, that's the part that bugs me. Yeah. Okay. That, that yeah. was some quick turnaround for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it he uh I, I don't I don't know. The character explanation of him would be really weird because he's he's broken. He has some major issues. Uh, and uh, yeah, it would it would take a whole movie. Yeah, to, I mean, do we to, even to know if he has more, uh, like, if he has any attraction towards Samantha, other than the fact that he read the note that said that she wants to have sex with him? He wants to be, yeah, he wanted to be, he wanted to be revered, to be looked at in a certain way. He wasn't getting that from the prom queen. He just felt like because she was always threatening stuff, like, oh, you're lucky to even be with me, right? Yeah. And, uh, so he was very much knocked off his pedestal, and he wanted to be on a pedestal and. It's a very shallow thing he wants, yeah, and uh, yeah. it works out for him in the end, right? Well, it does, and that's the only bummer because as they're kissing over the over the cake, the iconic scene of that, yeah. all I could think of is like, dude, I'll give you like six months, 
Right, exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. Because yeah. yeah. all you got is looks, man. And yeah. really, that, <laughs> and money. Glass table, that is not safe. No. Sitting no. on a glass table I, like hell that. Hell no, it's not. I, I, I think it's important to say, though, this is a film for teenagers, about teenagers, starring teenagers. Yeah, like, yeah. when I watch the wedding sequence in this film now, I'm just like, this is a tragedy that right. should be depicted <laughs> right. as such. And I'm like, but like looking at it from the eyes of a 16 year old Brandy, I would have thought it was hysterical. Yeah, so, yeah, yes. like, I totally get why it's depicted as such. And I just like, it's not for me anymore. That's yeah. that's what I feel like is the honesty about it is because he was able to tap into a a, a certain age group and just really understand it. Because when I, I remember when seeing this movie back in the day, I felt like uh, almost any John Hughes films, I really felt like he got it. I mean, even though I didn't always. I didn't always fit into the stereotypes he was portraying. I definitely always knew somebody who it this seems so true about. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's true. one of his strengths, especially when we were in that age range, especially in my case, because I feel like I grew up literally with the ages the ages of the kids as the movies would come out were, were my age. When 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 Breakfast Club came out, that's my peer group. Like I'm sixteen right. that you know, I'm fifteen, sixteen that year. Those are the kids. So so to me, that stuff always felt really genuine, and you know, it just happened to be at the time all the music and the and the and the style and clothes oh, and everything also matched. But that right. stuff lives on. My kids relate to it in a way that I, in the same way I did. They just they don't. It doesn't. You don't need to have lived in the '80s to get who these kids are and why they're you know why they feel real and everything. But this movie, I don't think he'd quite figured it out. This was like a weird mix of like. Um, a little, a little bit of Christmas Vacation, which is amazing. Mm-hmm, right. Mostly the grandparents and the family dynamic and all of that. Uh, so a little bit of that, a little bit of Home Alone. Stick a little Porky's in there. Mix Just it stick up. Stick a little Porky's in there. Yeah. Mix it. Mix <laughs> I'm sorry. It, up with, it makes mi- me laugh. Mix it up with a very realized central character. I agree with Randy about how she's created, treated, and, and performed. I think she's actually really good. Um, and and that's the movie you get, and it's fine. It's a hundred percent fine. Uh, there, there's somebody, there are some he... people online who are like, you guys are going to pull all the fun out of it because today's political climate. Oh, You're going to talk about all the oh, racist oh, yeah. stuff and no. this and that. Uh, f- dude, you know how many movies we've seen from the 80s or otherwise that are just full of this stuff? We're not going to spend that much time on it. We know. The decade had a lot of insensitivities. We get it. It's fine. The The stuff I'd rather focus on is, was the overarching stuff done well? Was it, you know, was this indicative of what we get in the future? And I just think his his better films were definitely ahead of him, not 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 the, for sure. The this only... was a good one for him to get his feet wet and and kind of oh, yeah. start developing the Hughesisms that he'd use lately use later on. Like all adults are idiots. Even even the dad and the mom when they finally realized that oh they'd forgotten uh, Samantha's birthday, um, they pretty much have just that flash of non idiocy. But again. Mm-hmm. Once they do, once they're done with that, all the adults go back to being the same, really the same shade of idiot. It's not even that, like different right. kinds of idiots. Right. That right. was an enormous letdown to me, and not because mm-hmm. the film wants it to be. Like the film, the film could have wanted you to be let down, and her to be let down, and her parents to be let down. But instead, it was like, wait, what is this movie about? Mm-hmm. Like the the dad comes down. I'm sorry, I forgot. Happy birthday. Okay, I forgive you. We're all right. Wait, what's this movie about? Is yeah. it? Is it really just about the geek and the prom queen thinking they had sex when they didn't? I mean, really? Like, yeah. oh no! What we had such a great plot going, and the movie just drops it with dad realizing and forgive being forgiven. Emotionally, this movie, uh, John Hughes is really good at this. Emotionally, this movie, uh, 
as, as our family lives go along, we have roller coasters uh, of tension. Uh, the, the tension gets tight in our families and, and you know, something comical happens and then the, the tension loosens up. And so that's what he's really good at. He's really good at bringing you in during the moment when the tension is the highest. And he usually does it in a montage in the beginning of the movie. And he brings that tension to a, to a, such a degree. Uh, but it is a slice of life because at like after the 48 hours, after the highest point of this tension, it's relieved. Yeah. And that's, and that's, and that's the real, uh, ending that he puts to his movies. Are you, in, in are you guys opinion. bummed out that the, uh, 32 candles movie was canceled that was a real thing that was going to happen there was yeah, really yeah. a sequel planned yeah they were right. doing it and this was yeah. this would have been like what oh three or oh four something like that right, um, right. and it would have been her coming back and most uh-huh. of the cast reprising their roles and it would have been hey what what's life like now that she's 32 married kids teenagers of her, of her own potentially this sort of stuff and she was like excited about it there's all sorts of like interviews where she's like yeah we're totally pumped for this and then it just didn't happen um and you know, I think he was Hughes was dead by then. I think no, right? He didn't want to do it because he was dead. Yeah, it he, was just like no yeah. thanks. Actually, I think this was two thousand five. Body, you're gonna make I, think was, yeah. I think it was two thousand five or so when they oh, were maybe in oh five. Yeah. I, I think he was. I think he was still alive. Was he okay? I I could have gone yeah. for it. I think if he'd have been involved, I think I would have been cool with it. But that's a that's a that's right. a hard thing to do. You know, all that those years is, later. I, I cannot say that I'm disappointed that that didn't happen because yeah. I can't right. imagine it would be anything beyond a hey look at anthony michael hall doesn't he look different now and hey look at uh, the prom queen and what happened to her and she's got See, 18 kids now or something yeah. they, and they already had that movie 13 going on 30 that would have been a great you know little fast forward skip from molly ringwall so she's still playing that 16 year old who is kind of uh, selfish yeah, but that's kind of the body. movie isn't it yeah that's basically yeah, we did get the that. sequel everybody it, was, it had uh it had alias in it what's her name it had alias in it. yeah she right. was in it Jennifer Garner. Jennifer Garner. Mm-hmm. Electra. She'll always be Electra to me. Yeah, sure she will. <laughs> Sydney Bristow. Sorry, I will. I can forget. I can forget uh, Electra and let her be Sydney there's Bristow. A, there's a story. So, some want? of the some of the trivia in here is pretty nuts. There's this bit about Anthony Michael Hall and Molly Ringwald initially did not like each other at all. Apparently, they fought on set. We're just annoyed with each other. Says here, John, as, as, as every fifteen year old would be. Of course. Says here, John Hughes took them to a record store and they bonded after they found out they liked the same music. One of the groups that they liked together was the Rave Ups. Uh, oh, yeah. Ibit, any any comments on who the rave ups might be? They're they're uh, for me just kind of one of those blend into the background uh, British invasion new wave bands. Kind of all came out at the same time as like the Buzzcocks and the uh, um, uh, Haircut One. Well, maybe not Haircut One Hundred. I mean, they've got them on the on the brain because there's a Haircut One Hundred song in the uh, in Sixteen Candles, yeah. but kind of <clears throat> in that. In the post-punk new wave stuff, the harder edge bands like the Rave Ups and the Buzzcocks and sure. Joy Division kind of thing. Uh, it, Dunaway just you wanted to hear you say one... Buzzcocks twice. He wanted to hear it twice. Right, Buzzcocks. That really <laughs> that tickled me. I loved it. Yeah, tickled, as you yeah. as you guessed, you'll know what I laughed at during Sixteen Candles. What all the stupid juvenile humor? Oh, yeah, of course you did. I mean, there's a ton I, of it too. I, and the brother, I just want to punt kick the brother across the street every time oh, yeah. he came on screen. It, it, that was that the little brother was the only character I really identified with in the film. Like I, <laughs> I, I was the little brother with the headphones and the snark. It's just that I, uh, I you know, like I, this film made me want a little bit, tiny bit more of him, and he's not. He's just. He's just the mm-hmm. fat kid who laughs at certain moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, where where were we at in the precocious little brother trope 
uh, time period? Right. Was this early oh, on in the precocious no. little brother? No, I think we were right in the period? thick of it. I feel like we were right there, yeah. man. In yeah. 84, 85, that was your, that was your peak. For- By the way, that's the kid that uh, Meryl Streep and Dustin Hoffman fight over in uh, Kramer versus yes. Kramer. No, yeah. you take him. He, he's no, the you boy, take him. He's the boy that's <laughs> running down the hall when you get a uh, naked lady comes up and, and he has to stand there and see naked lady in that movie. Do you remember that? Where she's like covering oh, herself with her hands. Oh, yeah. I, I've never I wanna, forgot that. I want to drive through some more trivia before we get to quotes. Sure. Um, meep, the, meep. the casting of this film is just fascinating. Like, in addition to Schofling beating out Viggo Mortensen, um, I love, I love, love, love that they found Gary Watanabe in Utah, and he sounded like a white guy from Utah. Yeah, and Ogden. they kept the whole film. They kept sort of cracking the whip, asking him to sound as stereotypically Asian as he could. Like that just right. blows my mind. Yeah, that dude, dude's also, from Ogden, Utah, which is north of me, and right. no one likes Ogden, and it's hilarious he came out of there. By the way, he's sixty-two now. Just to put everyone in perspective as to the time frame. Of this movie, that actor is now sixty-two freaking years old. Yeah, and he was, wow. he was twenty-nine. He was twenine when they were making the film. They portraying him as like a seventeen-year-old. Yeah, right. And 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 one of the only few characters that is genuinely likable in this movie. And I know a lot of people didn't like his uh, portrayal, but I think the stereotype that they really that was most offensive was just in his introduction. After that, I felt like I was laughing with him more often. And feeling like he was elevated above, yeah. Minus the, dumb the Americans, minus the the gong sounds every time he'd show up. It was, yeah, yeah. it was oh. like, oh, he's fish out of water. He's never drunk right. like this. This is new to him. Like th- that stuff was working me for for me fine. Yeah, yeah right. that was all right. It's just the gong sound and the freaking the, the initial part and 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 anytime any of the old people were just acting like oh, he's the strange old people alien. Were the worst. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the the, uh, the your Chinaman's out on the yard, or whatever that guy said at one point. I'm like, dude, really? Gonna the other little bit of trivia from casting that I just love that I will always retain about this movie is that uh, Hughes ha- was seeing a lot of people for the geek, uh, for Farmer Ted, the yeah. character, yeah. Yeah. and uh, they all came in and looked at the the pages they got for the character, and then did their auditions with. Uh, you know, with heavy rimmed glasses on and a slide ruler in a pocket. And uh, Anthony Michael Hall came in and auditioned the geek as a wannabe cad mm-hmm. who had none of the trappings of nerddom. Mm-hmm. And John Hughes loved it. And I just, I love that because it's just that thing about, I'm talking about at 16 or 15 or however old he was when he was auditioning, he already knew. Right. He had these insights into how you... <laughs> Uh, how you act, and I just I, I love that little story. Like I, I agree, Hughes he's says, not a cartoon yet. He's just as uh, I remember feeling like him at some point, trying to kind of step out of your zone, be cooler than you are, and act like it. And people kind of you, you just know people can see through it, and whether they can or can't, can, it's not really the important thing. He just I think he embodies this role. He's like perfect casting. Yeah, like, John Cusack apparently wanted the role and didn't get it. What a good. weird trajectory <laughs> good yeah yeah i i think that's a good choice i mean i think uh john kuzak did did so well after this that uh he shouldn't be at all disappointed that he missed out on this right. because it would have been a oh, he's it would have been a wrong direction for the movie and a wrong, dire- wrong direction for right. him as yeah well. it'd be did. the one regret in his career he would have it's like oh yeah it yeah. does it does right. say jim carrey audition for the role of of ted the geek um i think that would probably on be on the side of the way overly exaggerated nerd sort right. of thing and they yes. wouldn't have found that the the thing they were looking for of course this is also before jim carrey was a name you would know but 
Mm-hmm. And he was uh, playing a little more serious at this point in time. Uh, I yeah, his Sherlock? earlier stuff. Yeah, he he played he played a little straight. He tried when he first started acting, he toned down his comedic. Uh, I think that's later though. That's work. like ni- early nineties, isn't it? Because like, he was doing stand up in like 86, the, 87. Right, like no, I mean not 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 intentionally. I don't think he had the confidence mm. to play it at that point in time. Because it well uh, his 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 first movie, which was around uh, let's see. That should have been once bitten around 1985. In the next year, if you've ever seen Once Bitten, no. he's not. He doesn't. He doesn't play it over the top. Is 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 pretty serious. There's a couple of pratfalls, but for the most part, uh, he's he's kind of laid back. Oh uh, yeah, that the Lauren thing Hutton I've seen thing him in was yeah. the Earth Girls Are Easy. Right. In, oh, in the Deadpool, he yeah. didn't really start acting like a lunatic. Uh, probably until I don't know. The Ace Ventura was the first time I really saw him just act like a lunatic on in the. In movies, well, yeah, his lunatic bit, his TV stuff, and then Living Color was really where that stuff came out. But yeah, you're right because I I don't think I don't think they had the confidence. I don't think they had the confidence. I don't think they had the confidence to uh, to let him play himself in movies. Oh hell no, no, they weren't going to let him. And I don't know how he would audition for this role, but I just think that they they made the right choice. Uh, Hughes is already familiar and worked with Anthony Michael Hall with uh, the the first uh, uh, Vacation movie. Um, he mm-hmm. was he was the very first. Uh, Is that your favorite one of all of the um, Rusties? Yeah, um, all Rusties. Oh, Galecki, Galecki's my favorite. You know what? It's really, really. I don't think Galecki drives me kind of nuts actually. In that, oh, I gotta um, go with Johnny Galecki. I don't know, dude. Yeah. He's all right. No, I think uh, Anthony Michael Hall might be my favorite. Yeah, I think the, he's either my favorite or I really do like Papa Giorgio from the Vegas one. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> I agree, but I, like I just go guy. with Johnny Galecki because he brings the best out in Juliet Lewis in Christmas Vacation. Right. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah he. It yeah, is. it's a good comp. She's my favorite. Um, what's the daughter's name? Audrey. Uh, Audrey. She's my favorite Audrey. Audrey I think yeah. easily the best Audrey. Yeah, it's she. It's not so much that it's how she plays it; it's how they portray Audrey. It's just less. The Audreys and the I other like ones how, are just. I kind like of how Galecki, Galecki is so defeated. I think that fits in with. How you would have I to like be that you call him Glicky. You call him yeah, Glicky. Yeah. Just Glicky, I think, is what you Glicky. Little Glicky. Little Glicky. Little Glicky. Glicky. And, and I just, it, there's nothing weirder to me than the fact that Vegas Vacation is over 20 years old. Yeah. I can't believe that movie's been out that long. It is It is probably the the most complete of the vacation films. I know that's crazy to say, but like it's a film that actually tells the whole story. Mm. And and goes from beginning to end, where whereas the one I watch every year, Christmas Vacation, mm-hmm. is a is a bunch of vignettes, right? It's a yeah. collection right. of skits, yeah. yeah, which is very John it's Hughes. Him. Everything else is feels less John Hughes, but I mean, I yeah. think uh, European Vacation, which featured the worst of the Audreys, if you have and the that. worst of the Rusties, by the way, they're worse the than the Rusties by the far. Rusties, yeah. That's a bad and movie. I think, I think we'd all agree it's probably the worst of the vacations, really. Oh, oh no question. Is there any fight yeah. out there in the world that doesn't think? I mean, I don't know about that new remake, Rusty's old thing. Oh, that wasn't too bad. The sequel. new one, yeah. yeah. I never reboot. saw it. Never saw it, so I have no idea. But. I can't really. I, just, I mean, I call it a sequel because it's you know it's, it's still uh, in the same timeline. Yeah, we're, still, we're just, yeah same timeline. Yeah, we have I, different people, but it's the same story. Well, yeah, and Chevy Chase is in it for a minute. He's yeah, in, and uh, Beverly D'Angelo too. Yeah, they're there for like mm-hmm. a hot second just to say, "Hey, we're right. the grandparents. See you later." And <laughs> we approve. Go we ahead. Approve. Go away. <laughs> make this. Uh, it says here. And by lo- the way, oh yeah. Go ahead. By the way, I just want to. I just want to finish that topic by noting that Ethan Embry is amazing in Grace and Frankie. If you haven't been watching yeah, Grace and Frankie, he's really it's one good of those in things. Them. It's like yeah. 
It, yeah, and and they're actually getting a fifth season. Can you believe there have been five seasons of that show? It's That's crazy. I think part of that wow. is they've got two very old, uh, incredibly comedic and wonderful actresses in that show that could die. Who are any willing second. to work for a reasonable amount of money? Yeah, and they could die any second. So keep the season. They just go, <laughs> they go back to back, man. They don't even. There's no season off. They just make them, make them, make them, so they can have five within like two years, which is basically what they've done. <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, Laura Dern and Robin Wright both auditioned for the role of Samantha May- Baker. I could totally see those two in wow. that role. I'm not saying they, I'm not saying it'd be like great. She would have been Robin Wright. I don't know. Like, I I can't not have her debut as the Princess Bride. I I have to have that. Yeah, I saw her in some. She was in some uh, soap opera before Princess Bride, and I remember that throwing me a little bit because I'd seen some of that somehow, which is not even a thing I watched. So I don't know how I saw it, but. But yeah, so for me, I don't know. She she would have been fine, but I could totally see Laura Dern at this age doing mm-hmm. doing this, like being kind of awkward, but also kind of pretty and sort of turning sixteen and being pissed, no one remembered, and blah blah blah. That would all that would all probably work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then don't forget Joan Cusack and Anthony Michael Hall. They didn't know it at the time, but they would be in the infamous nineteen eighty five to nineteen eighty six season of Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. Oh. I was wondering where you're going with that. I forgot. Yeah, hmm. infamous. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the season that no one remembers, that everyone hates, no. that was not, it was Ebersol or whoever. It was Ebersol. Yeah. It was, uh, and you also had Randy Quaid in that season. You had um, oh, Robert God. Downey Jr. Yep. It was just the weirdest thing. Another John Hughes. Such a uh, weird You thing. know, weird science uh, actor. But what a weird thing that was. And I remember watching it. The only mm-hmm. thing I remember is Randy Quaid eating uh, tinfoil in a sketch. That's yeah. all I remember is he was eating tinfoil. What, what gross got out the most? Yeah. That season of Saturday Night Live. <laughs> that was such a weird thing. And I and then that's all I watched. I think I I think everybody turned that season off. That was like, did he, I wish did, we had... uh, you think it tasted like cilantro? Because I, I know a lot of people was. who eat cilantro think it right. tastes like tinfoil. Tin, tinfoil, yeah, probably. Man, that, that whole season would be a great trivia thing for us to do sometime. Oh, gosh. Babel Royale would kill me on that one because I kind right. of I kind of resented it. I was pissed that it existed. Because it just seemed like yeah. the wrong. It's like, wait, these are all actors from movies. What are you doing? Right. Yeah, it was the first time they'd done something where it was like a whole bunch of unknowns who came up through the the standard ranks of the um, Second City comedy troupe and the uh, uh, Upright Citizens Brigade and and things like that. It was like, all right, these guys are all established. Let's let's just pull them in and see how it goes. Well, here's my least favorite mm-hmm. trivia because I think it sounds stupid, and I don't know who would say these words, but here you go. Molly Ringwald got to decorate Samantha's bedroom with items from her own dwelling. What is that? Why do you say it that dwelling? way? Yeah. Why do you just say she brought stuff from home that she liked? You don't have to say from her cave. From exactly. her. <laughs> I, I was telling Tina that we were watching that. And I said, I want that squeeze poster. I want that squeeze uh, yeah. singles poster that she's got next to her bed. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All that, There's hers. actually a bunch of stuff in there that I wouldn't. Mind. When she when yeah. she goes in her brother's room, there's a poster on the inside of the door that I think every boy had, mm, and right. I'm I'm forgetting who the model is, but it's a it's a famous woman in a mm. pink bikini. Yeah, oh, I think Cheryl Teague. Cheryl Teague, that's Cheryl it. Teague's? Yeah, that's right. all. I I just guys... I saw that. There's a glimpse of that, and I'm like, oh wow, right. set, set decorators really uh, got the accuracy here. Yeah, if you went to Spencer's, have... it was in one of those big. Uh, <laughs> fanning uh poster things you go oh, yeah, and, yeah. and she was always right there man always gotta, there. gotta flip through that quick when mom shows up yep. oh, so yeah. while we're talking about trivia yeah now is a good time for us to really quickly shift gears and pull a uh, a listener from the audience 
well, not really pull a listener. We're just going to name a listener from the audience, and they're going to get mm. some prizes based on how well you guys know. Oh no, twenty eighteen. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh no! Okay, hold on then. Before we <laughs> yeah. do that, uh, people at home yep. listening to Film Sack, I'm going to pause you right now. We'll be back in a second. Progress. Oh yeah, sixteen candles back in progress. Right. So uh, uh, back to sure, it. Uh, it was fun. You guys want to? You guys want to figure out what grossed me out? Because I got one. Mm. What grossed oh, Scott? Good. out? Yeah, let me. I'm trying. I'm trying to rewind. Thinking uh, things that gross Scott out. I'll give you a hint so it helps it you had narrow to take it down. Place at the party. Uh, I'll tell you. I'll give you a hint so you know what you know. It gives you some context. It's a thing yeah. that is actually portrayed. On screen, not something implied. So that, if that helps at all. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is it, so is it a yeah. is it a boy sniffing some panties? Because that's freaking gross. No, because did anyone sniff them? No one sniffed them. I don't think. Did they? They just all held right. them up in the bathroom. Yeah. That was that was off screen. Yeah, we was talking. Yeah, about Randy. <laughs> Randy saw more there than that actually happened. Yeah. Maybe. I feel maybe like that, maybe that's that's gross, and I'm into it. I don't know. Right. There was there was a lot of any anytime there's a uh, there's a lot of bathroom bathroom sitting. There's a lot of uh, there's just so many. Oh, there's just so many gross moments in this movie. It's an easy one for me. Pe- people, people being way too uh, accepting of each other's. Oh, what, ab- what about? I mean, this is a simple joke, and it didn't land at all. But what about just like being told, "Don't go in that bathroom. It yeah. smells like shit. There are shit particles in the air, and you just go in." Like <laughs> yeah, that. It, that was just a moment. Like who? Who does that? Yeah, who goes in? It was pretty I wouldn't gross. Go in. It was pretty gross, Everyone. but that's definitely not it. Although I, I oh, it's, really? a, it's the one line I remember from the movie actually talking about how Grandpa polluted the bathroom in there. And oh, really? Yeah, I wow. don't know why that I remember that, but a, that's uh, not the gross moment. That's not it. Was it uh, something that happened during the dinner with the bohunk? Nope. I'll tell. I'll give you a hint. It happened during the dance and at the school. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And it's and it, and I'm I'm a little surprised. Oh, was it uh, was it uh, Joan Cusack wiping her face with her? The skirt of the well, you're missing. Uh, you're 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 in the zone, but you got the wrong that thing that I think is gross. What's gross is putting your entire mouth over the top of a freaking drinking fountain. Spout. Oh yeah, yeah, that was pretty bad. That That's pretty bad. horrible. Oh, that and she did that too. Yeah, yeah. Totally in a high school freaking drinking fountain with your mouth just like filleting that thing, you're gonna go home yeah. with like twelve diseases. It's disgusting. Oh my gosh, that grossed me out. <laughs> Uh, all right, how about this one? Chick in the Bucket. I'm even going to play a thing for it. My pick for Chick in the Bucket is the is the rich, good-looking kid's dad uh, because, my gosh, he didn't seem to care that his house had just been completely hosed and destroyed, and, and there's no way that happens if that dad's a real guy. So for me, he is missing in action. MIA, that guy. Hmm. I can see now, that. we never saw for him before, sure. so part of the rules of Chick in the Bucket is usually it's somebody we see. Yeah, but and not later, just his house, but who knows, you know, what kind of condition. Uh, well, I guess we kind of saw the condition that the Rolls Royce was returned in. And, yeah, which is, again, a very Cameron-esque uh, Ferris Bueller kind right. of moment. And right. you never meet that dad either. Uh, it's always just yeah, this menacing idea mm-hmm. that there's somewhere there's this dad who's going to find out his Rolls Royce is destroyed and full of beer. Oh, well, wait, wait. I thought they were the same dad. I mean, the dad that the house that the party was in. Yeah, that's the same dad. It is the same dad. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm saying right. I'm comparing him to the to Cameron's dad and and the oh, other movie because gotcha. they're oh, similar. Right. Yeah, we never see that dad either. Yeah, yeah, you never see that guy. You never hear from him. You just are. You just always have in the back of your head. Everyone knows what a mad dad's like. You're all dead. <laughs> and 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 John Hughes must have a thing with that because he does this in multiple yeah, he films. Mm-hmm. He does. He loves that idea of like, oh no, I've done the thing that will piss off the person who is the most pissed off and. And then they never quite fulfill yeah. it, but yeah, there's that. Uh, yeah, so there's that. I did laugh really hard at one scene 
that I don't remember and I laughed super hard at. There's a scene where where Billy Bird, uh, God rest her soul, is in the kitchen with the other mother-in-law who's got a cigarette butt with a the longest ash thing on it you've ever seen. And she so is... Chasing it that, with like a spatula, trying to make sure that doesn't fall yeah, off. Yeah, I was dying. that was gonna be that was gonna be the third of my three things that this movie can't get enough of in my greeting, and I just felt like I was going too long. But the, <laughs> there's there's p- drunk people stumbling around or inebriated people stumbling around. Movie cannot get enough of that. Movie can't get enough of girls closing things indoors, like their hair, their dresses, and the movie loves people just smoking casually. So casually that the little kid is pretending to smoke uh, pretzels. Yeah, yeah, he lit the pretzels. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I kept going. Is he seriously? But we used to do that. That was a thing that at that age during that time I would have done. Did we? Would we? I did. Yeah. I did. I mean, because we still had we had we still had cigarette candy, candy yeah, cigarettes, candy cigarettes. Right. So, yeah. I mean, everything was a cigarette. Yeah, I'll, I'll smoke that. What do you got? Mm-hmm. Give me that. That was bad. Tristan used to. Uh, like we uh, have this book that we used to write all the Tristan isms, anything he said that was really funny. And one of the things was, uh, Oh, you're doing very well with your crayons. And he says, yeah, I'm holding it just like a cigarette. Oh, right. nice. You know, nice. I, I have nothing to back this up as evidence, but I just feel like John Hughes. Uh, I think he encouraged his actors of, of any age to portray themselves as they truly would at that time. Because I swear, there's no way he could have written most of this stuff to understand that or remember that much stuff. To yeah, me, it yeah. seems like it seems like I, I've never read anything anywhere that says John Hughes allowed you know the characters to do that. But it just feels like it. It feels it like feels he like says, "Actor, yeah, do do something that you would normally do. Just right. be yourself." Yeah, I wouldn't mind a good documentary. Maybe it exists, but a good documentary about him and his mm-hmm. filmmaking. And, right. He and seemed like he was very secluded. You know didn't really contribute much to things like uh, director's commentaries on, on discs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so good. we've got to kind of go by the, there was a, uh, a biography that I think a couple of the actors may have done about him called, don't you forget about me? I want to say Molly oh, Ringwald yeah. and Ali Sheedy maybe were involved. Oh, okay. Maybe I've heard of this actually. That's ringing a bell. Yeah. yeah. I, I need to, I probably should seek that stuff out. Cause I, I fascinated by that guy. Now here, here's a question. Uh, all the controversy around um, uh, the idea of sort of ca- casual references to date rape and this sort of thing in this movie. Mm-hmm. I have a right. question about that because my f- understanding before this viewing and after now hasn't really changed. And that is that they don't really know the mm-hmm. the, the cheerleader right. and the dude don't really know if anything really happened. Yes, it wasn't like one of them. One of them was fully aware of what was going on, taking advantage of the situation. I mean, mm-hmm. that kind of takes place before that, but you can't really call it date rape when when uh, the dude yeah. just hang, hands right. over his drunk girlfriend to the geek and says, eh, right. do whatever you and, want. Right, right. And, and, and all that stuff, I think, is skeezy and weird. I'm not, I don't want to discount right. it, but I guess what I'm saying is when I came to it this time with all of the hullabaloo about it, I thought I was going to be reminded of a scene where it was uh, very opaque that that something right, hideous right. had happened and at the end i went i mean like like say in remember revenge of the nerds that was very rapey like revenge of the right, nerds right, sure. super it super rapey it, it, this thing a, did not this didn't here. feel this way to me it felt like oh no, two it, drunk kids don't really know what happened i know kids in high school right. who were drunk and said oh who knows what happened last night and i knew for a fact nothing happened the night before so well, and that's the joke <laughs> everyone who watches this film in the 1980s 
sees that sequence and says, oh, those two people did not have sex at all, and they're mm-hmm. they're just making up a, a fun story to share. That's it. That's the whole thing. Don't, we've don't already established in. we've already established that fifteen year olds uh, like Molly Ringwald isn't sure if she's even had sex because this is the time this is the time when sex was very uh, you didn't really talk much about it. We were just now getting to the point where sex ed and being totally transparent and honest. So the fact that that you know the younger character here would not even be sure if he even had sex, mm-hmm. I don't think was really out of the realm of possibility. Now the the girl in this situation was very much drunk. We knew she was drunk, but he was just you know a little tipsy. Yeah. So I mean, I, the implication I think it all plays still, to that. Yeah. That innocence of not understanding. The, the implication still kind of sucks. Like just tossing right. her around like she's an object. I don't like that. And, and that was terrible. But I don't mm-hmm. get the. I guess I don't get the overtness that everybody seems to apply to it, including, you know, Molly Ringwald recently has come out and said, yeah, I'm not too comfortable with 16 candles anymore. And this. Oh, yeah, yeah. This well, stuff. And of course and, and, not. No, no person in their 40s should be comfortable with 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 that at this point. Yeah, but you you're know, supposed to be the dumb. You you're supposed to be the dumb adults in those movies now. That's yeah, what we've yeah, all become exactly. that. We've all become the you know, uh, we're just worried about fitting all the grandparents in the same car. We don't we don't notice there's a yeah. Chinese guy jumping out of a tree. We don't know. We forget. We forget what a mystery, uh, a mystery of of proper sexual behavior is when you're, you know, thirteen and fourteen, especially back during the eighties compared to today. Because it's, we forget that as adults, it's mm-hmm. a total mystery. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Brian Doyle Murray sighting, by the way. Anyone see him? He was in the. Uh, he was the preacher, the 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 oh. marriage preacher. No, I didn't recognize. Him. Of course, Murray. we recognize Zelda Rubenstein from. Poltergeist. Oh yeah! Oh, oh right. yeah! Oh, yeah. How can we not first, can we not mention her? Yeah, we got to talk about that lady. She's also, good. really, uh, I really enjoyed spotting Jamie Gertz. I like her a lot. Mm. Oh yeah, well, who was she? Because I saw her in the credits, she but was, I don't know who she was. Friends of just uh, a party goer. Okay, so small, yeah. something small. Well, she was she was the one. She wasn't the one who cut the hair, the prom queen's hair, but she was the the friend of the one who cut the prom queen's hair. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, right. When they were all drinking. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Okay, well, the Brian Doyle Murray thing bugged me just because part of what makes him who he is is his incredible voice and vocal uh, uniqueness. Like, no one sounds like Brian Doyle Murray, not even his brothers. And so uh, with him not saying anything, like, didn't even say, there wasn't even part of, like, the wedding uh, Mm -mm. ceremony that he would say anywhere. That kind of annoyed me because we get him in other Hughes things. He was in Christmas Vacation. He was that mean boss. He was in, you know, other stuff. I can't think of right now, but I didn't see him. I saw him. Went up, oh, Brian Doyle Murray, looking looking like he does, doing what he do here in this movie. <laughs> yeah, totally, very much underused yeah. for sure. Uh, should we uh, before we do uh, clips? I wanted to get Brian Ibbett, given this is a cover thon we're on today. I wanted to get your oh. take on overall the the music in the movie was which was a kind of a mix of there's some new wave there's a little Bowie in there there's some yeah there's yeah you know. uh, there is some great uh, right the the Bowie Young Americans being in there is fantastic the um, Wild Sex in the Working Class by Oingo Boingo is is classic in there as well but then there's some weird ones uh, when Samantha's sitting in the hallway and people are walking by um, after she gets embarrassed by the geek uh, they play tim finn's growing pains which is like such a such a not an 80s style song it just feels so weird and out of place 
That one jumped out at me. Haircut 100's in there. Uh, the specials, some good ska, a lot of good ska playing at the dance, uh, that sort of thing. It's it's um, it's a hit and miss. But what's funny is uh, because of licensing rights, the version that you saw in the theaters had had a lot of different songs in the soundtrack. And I don't know if the one were the one we watched on Netflix is the one that was released on video, which had a lot of those songs swapped out for other ones. And that's why maybe we had that weird Tim Fenn song, mm-hmm. or if we're seeing the original with the, um, uh, right. with the other eighties music. I don't think I saw this in theaters. I think I didn't see this until it was out on video. So yeah, I, I definitely I did not see it. Theaters. Well, that's yeah. where the big success happened. The, the box office success was moderate uh, by any definition. And then VHS sales were through the roof for this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know why, just kind of word of mouth or whatever. Um, but I, that's where I saw it as well as at home. I was surprised that this version had the Billy Idol song Rebel Yell in it. Mm-hmm. I, I realized that was a contemporary song. It was not an anachronism to have that song in the movie, but it would have been really new and popular on the radio and surprising if it was in a movie. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Also recent. It would have felt really recent in a f- film where this is about the year it would have been a hot song, which is kind of rare. Right. You usually see that later. Uh, also, um, uh, was I going to say the, oh, the one of the best Thompson twin songs? Oh, right, way, ever, right, yeah, so ever good. released that if you were here, so good. Uh, yeah. How do we how do we feel about uh, the uh, TV music theme songs to introduce certain characters? Dragnet. When he goes in for yeah. just the facts, yeah. When he goes in for just the facts on the bus and yeah, that kind of stuff, it's, it's a little dumb. It's like it's like the Gong. It's like all right, we get it. You got a little theme right. for everybody. It's it not, not. feels like we had that in stuff like Ferris Bueller as well, though, didn't we? Yeah. With something yeah. with Ed Rooney. Oh, we had the uh, yeah. when he was walking around looking for Ferris Bueller and he flips up his sunglasses. We had like a Peter Gunn moment there as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And also, yeah. I, uh, this is just something to say on the side here, but I remember this movie being PG and I remember watching it in the house <laughs> with my family there's no yeah. way this was PG, and there's no way my been, mom sat this there. Been 80, this would have been 84. Uh, PG-13 didn't come along until Red Dawn. 85, uh, was, 84 also, though. That 84 also. I think 84 is the year also, you got all those movies, isn't Indiana it? Indiana Jones right. and the Temple of Doom, same year. Because, yeah, technically only saw a brief moment of uh, above nudity. Mm-hmm. Above the waist nudity, so uh, it's a good question. It could have been still PG. I'm not, like I, there was before. one f bomb nowhere too. Yeah, that f bomb right. was like whoa. But yeah, like there's no way that scene happened without my dad throwing a blanket on the TV or something. <laughs> right. Like she was naked. Right. She was a naked nudie lady, and I went, right. oh currently, right, this is uh, maybe I have it wrong in my memory. Actually, generally, currently in our in our current generation, uh, it's rated PG. Mm. Uh, so mm. it's it's an interesting question. I that's a uh, well, that's, that's kind of it dropped an f bomb. Uh, and, uh, so that's what 84 was. We, we were allowed to put, uh, F-bombs in, uh, in PG song, uh, I mean, Mm. all all the way across the board, I guess I wouldn't, it wouldn't kill me if my kid was 11 and he watched it. Like, it's like PG 13 for me is drawing a pretty sharp line in the sand. And Mm. it's like, I definitely am concerned about like violence and gore, but this my, I mean, my at eleven, I don't know. My kid would even care. Well, yeah. he'll he'll care. Yeah, but it, it feels like he'll very, care in different reasons for different. Very <laughs> awkward, not awkward nudity, but very awkward uh, situations egregious, for sure. Egregious yeah. and uh, exploitative 
nudity. Plus, uh, implying that, you know, she's a 16-year-old, too. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. the other thing. Well, I don't know if the prom queen was 16, but... Well, she was a minor, right? You could, Yeah, you could do that yeah. uh, because, let's see, Brooke Shields was how old in Blue oh, Lagoon? In Blue Lagoon, and, sure. which, Yes, that well, wasn't too far uh, from this. Jennifer Jason Lee and Phoebe right. Cates in uh, Fast Times were both under 18. Right, right. Yeah, different time, man. They don't do yeah, that different anymore. Times. They don't. They, uh, there's so much weird consent stuff now. Not weird, but you know, it's just different. It's uh, different. I don't know that mm-hmm. you're. I don't know if you're 16. You're Phoebe Cates in 2018, and, and well, in this, by the way, the the actress in this thing was not the one they used in the shower scene or the underwear scene. That's a. Those are both stand-ins. Yeah, body double. Body double. She refused to do it. So just like I use for film sec. According to the <laughs> trivia. Well, you have a body double, do you? Oh, that's great. Who yeah, are we yeah. ta- Which one are we talking to now? Which one do we got now? You'll never know. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, uh, Fred uh, Dernhol way, and welcome to the show. Good to have Fred, Fred Dernhol. Okay, yeah. Fred, Fred Dernhol. All right, let's get yeah. to uh, some clips. I have a number of them here, and they begin with this one about forgetting birthdays. I can't believe this. They f-ing forgot my birthday. There's your f bomb. You're you're one and only. Yeah. You're one and only. That sounded. It sounded wow. very that much peachy. It is. And that was uh That that sounded like it was. Re- it was almost sound like it was done on a soundstage. It was just so, it was so weird. Really? The yeah, way a lot she of the, said that. the overdubs felt very, stilted. Yeah. yeah. Well, the movie has, yeah. I mean, it's 84. Overdub is as common as, as uh, boobs in a shower, I guess. No, I mean, it, boobs it, in a no, shower. that's a good point though, because the, the lines that we talked about how bad the script is, the lines that, that they're forced to say that no, teenager that age would say like four inches of bod or oily no. bohunk or anything like that feels that was so, such a weird bohunk i have never heard oh, that never heard so it. weird and out of place yeah. right that, but it's like when you know there's so many great scenes where they're delivering lines that you would expect 15 and 60 year olds uh, yep. 16 year olds to deliver yep uh right. here's that pull-up scene with a dumb line that i don't think when these guys looked 35 in there, by the way, they did yeah, not look totally, like high school oh, yeah. kids, but here's what they said. She's obviously too young to party serious. Yeah. Party serious. Too party serious. <laughs> Hold up. Party serious. serious. Yeah. That's the dumbest thing. <laughs> we're, Heck, we're seniors. We talk very adultish. Yeah. Here's a longer version of that, by the way. I, I think it includes it even, but here's a big piece of it, which and a lot of the stuff you're not going to hear today, or maybe you will. I don't know. Here you go. Maybe she's retarded. I'm being serious. Okay. She looks at me like she's in love with me. Jake, she's a child. So? So what are you going to do with her? She's obviously too young to party serious. Maybe I'm interested in more than a party. Mm. More mm. than a party. So no, he's not. Wow, well, Jake, house. thanks for that insight into yeah. who you are. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. that as a husband in the future, he's nothing but a vacant walk off and do something else kind of guy. I mean, think about it. That house gets completely trashed. He lives there. He just kind of yeah. goes, eh, I'm going to this bedroom and looking at an old yearbook. Like, I know. I'll pick up a random can of beer and start drinking it and then realize that somebody else may have drank it. And- yeah, and it's got pee in it. And then I'm going to throw it in the house that's already destroyed. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, here's, a, here's nerds talking. Score a direct hit. Okay, those guys should have been around longer, but they're jock straps on their heads. And actually, jocks jock straps made like multiple appearances in the yeah. movie, but those two with the laser guns on the bus, that's right. it. That's all you got. Any any anybody with headgear uh was instantly recognized as a nerd. I mean, if if you didn't have on some kind of uh dental apparatus 
right. then you would surely have on some kind of headlight. If you don't have a headlight, you'd have like uh, some big old headphones from the seventies. What happened to so what happened to Joan Cusack? What? What Joan Cusack just get hurt? Was that her deal? No, she was wearing that. Uh, it was it was headgear, right? It was it was just for her mouth. Right? Was it? Does it look like a neck, like a neck straightener thing too? Right? Yeah, that's what I been. thought it was. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. But I don't know. Sorry. Uh, if it was a you know if there was some continuity for from Sixteen Candles to the other Shermer Illinois uh, movies, would those uh, two guys on the bus? Would have been the two guys from Weird Science. Nice. Absolutely. Oh, I like it. There's a <laughs> even though one of them tissue. was Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah, right. I'm into it. Did you notice one kid out of Penthouse Magazine on that bus? That bus. Oh no. Oh yeah, that bus. I did a little screen cap, and he's sitting there reading it. Um, that bus is basically my junior high bus every morning, like straight yeah. up. Yeah. That was real. That felt real. I that never felt ever real. Ride the bus to school. Oh, oh you shut up, bastard! Ever? Yeah. I was in. I was in no, all I the extracurricular activities. Yeah. A much longer way. I mean, it was dumb that I didn't take the bus, but it just wasn't. Uh, I don't know if it wasn't available. In no, it, it, it wasn't was. dumb that you didn't take the bus. That was a look. School was hard. Bus was harder. Yeah. Randy, <laughs> what'd you do? Bus? No bus? I, I didn't ride a, a bus to school or home any any day of my life, but I was in every extracurricular activity. So I I was in sports, I was in the band, and I spent more time on buses in like middle school and high school than I spent in classes. So if you were right. the band and sports, would you have to like catch the football and then run really quick over to the tuba and <laughs> play the thing and then run back into the field? Or how would you do that? I was in the worst sports for bus rides. Like, mm tennis and track mm. oh my so you god could, mm. you could just they would just bus you all over the world and you'd like mm. to go to a t- saturday tennis tournament you'd have to get up at like three in the morning and get on a bus by four and, oh, that sounds awful it's <laughs> so a thing i would not do now ever oh my right? lord uh all right here's uh something about grandpa oh the, yeah this grandpa well well i love this guy the one that was never stopped <laughs> laughing uh, yeah. needs right. to get a, a magnifying glass for her boobies and all that. In fact, here's longer grandpa right here. Helen, we've got an owl out here in the hall. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a goof. He's borderline He's so 1960s Batman villain character. Yeah, right? totally. Play a Batman villain. That's a great comparison. Yeah. You can see his mustache oh. through his makeup kind of guy. <laughs> right. Uh, here's Grandma saying this. Make her tinkle. Make her tinkle. Make her tinkle. And then she says this. She's gotten her boobies. Oh, I'd better go get my magnifying glass. <laughs> Freaking a hole. <laughs> what an a hole, Grandpa. People, yeah. people don't know anything about body shaming until you've uh, had a grandparent like that, man. That's, no, uh, that's whew. the ultimate. And she, by the way, she didn't have tiny, tiny boobs like everyone kept saying. I mean, no, I'm not, not no, even, I'm well, staring. She kept saying that she had small boobs. It's like, no, you have normal but, boobs. You have yeah, normal right, boobs. Right. Yeah. Well, you look that great. That was a real concern. I mean, that was a, that was a real concern during that age because you're starting, your body's developing yeah. and uh, you feel like some are a little more advanced and you all expect, you know, your body to look like other people's. And it's just, you just yeah. don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, it's a hard and awkward time. And I think that. I, John I Hughes portrays it well. Yes, that they were larger than the body double they used for the prom queen. I'm guessing that is also correct. I agree. 
Because reality, not that I've given this any amount of thought until I, right now, but yeah, I haven't really Look, thought about it. it either, her, honestly, her body, her body posture is someone typically of who is insecure about her boobs. You'll yes, notice that right. during the whole movie, she's usually carrying books or she wears clothes that she hunches over, basically, and 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 basically tries to hide herself, which is yeah. is, is very hey, common issue. Uh, female listeners, do you like how we're doing this? Do you prefer that we uh, that we talk about your breasts in a, in a man-knows-all kind of way? Are you cool with it? Because that's what we're doing. We're doing that. Is this breast-splaining? Yeah, is we're breast-splaining. I hope you all enjoyed it. I'm, I'm not explaining as much as maybe I'm accepting it something. I don't know. It, it felt real. Once again, this feels... Yeah, no, she felt... felt the, everything about her felt honest. I agree. Yeah. There's, there's, and there's well, nothing wrong with that. Right. We'll just, we'll just say that we're fascinated by those things. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, we're very attracted to them. They're life-giving, wonderful things. I love them. Uh, here's a racist thing you wouldn't do now, probably. Well, I think it might be nice if you'd visit with your grandparents in Long Duck Dong. Who? <laughs> Freaking gong. And according to the actor, the Wontanabe guy uh, from Ogden, Utah, he says um, the gong was never talked about during filming or script yeah. level or any of that. That all came later, and he thinks people were crazy when they put it in, so... Right. Uh, so, but yeah, yeah. I, I wonder how much because is that that is done very late in the editing, right? So, I mean, I, I wonder how much John Hughes put into that versus probably you know, a lot. The, the he probably sat there and said, "You know, it'd be great. Let's put a don- let's put a gong in there." This is his first film, though, right? This is his first directorial. So, how much? I, once again, we need that documentary to see. Yeah, but you know, you're if, the, if you're the director, you get to pick stuff like that. Absolutely, you do. You can I can I just it. say to you how much funnier it would have been if instead of a gong, you heard a duck quack? Oh, oh that'd be good. Right. Whoa. You just and then the it movie. would be racist as much as it would just be funny. Yeah, and we right. you know we hate it when Spielberg turned guns into radios. We hate it when the when uh, <laughs> oh right, you know. sixteen candles special edition yeah. where they change the uh, the gong to a duck to quack. a duck quack. Yeah, that'd be your only change. <laughs> then fans could freak out and be pissed. Uh, here's a, something about a duck's dork. Shineman named after a duck's dork. There you go. There's the kid being the kid. Uh, this is a good line. You're really acting like an asshole. And by the way, this is the other honest thing that I thought they nailed, which is the dichotomy between oldest daughter who's moving into adulthood mm-hmm. and the one below her is a is an awkward, odd thing. Right. And I experienced this firsthand with my own kids. And it felt it, that feels very real. Just the kind of disconnect that they have now. The stuff later where she's all hopped up on muscle relaxants. Forget about all that. I just mean kind of early where the whole world is gathering around her for her wedding, and it's all about her, and it's all pumped up. The other kid, kid or kids can just feel just left in the snow. Right. It's it's a real that's a real thing, and I thought they got that right. And I like the way the character played it because she uh, she talked like her mother. Yeah. So she's already crossed over into adulthood right. and you know, the sisters probably used to talk, you know, one-on-one and used to be really close. And now one is an adult and one's still, yeah, a child you have a, a, there's a disconnect time. there and it'll come back. You'll yeah. get back to it. Yeah. It just yeah. isn't there right now. Although that husband guy, I hate him in everything he's in ever. <laughs> <laughs> totally. By the way, that actress, uh, Blanche Baker, who's the older sister, yeah. probably again the last person ever named Blanche, mm. being she right. was born <laughs> in 1956. Uh, she went on to play uh, Off Red, or not Off Red, Off Glen in the first um, movie, uh, movie adaptation of uh, The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, The Handmaid's Tale movie, really? Yes. Interesting. Huh. I should mm-hmm. check that out. 
I always meant to see it. I always also meant to read the book, and I never did. Um, all right, here's the thing I want to say in common conversation from now on. Um, it's Anthony Michael Hall line, and I'm, I think I'm going to use it. So here you go. Don't spaz out, okay, Weez? The situation will come online. I'm going to start saying the situation will come online to I everything. Did. Yeah, I, I like that, and I like the fact they were the Zwallflowers were betting floppy disk. Yep. Uh, yeah, so That's I'm, their that, currency, that dude. Their hot currency is floppy hot disk. Hot currency yeah. floppy disk. Yeah, very Do you know expensive. How expensive those are? Yeah. How they can be. The situation will come online. Is that something you now say when you're talking about the Jersey Shore? No, oh, <laughs> I forgot about that because he may actually come online at some point. We don't want that. <laughs> but I love the idea of being able to go like it's kind of Star Trek to go, hey, I'm making breakfast. Oh, your eggs look burnt. Don't worry. The situation will come online. I got I want to say that. I'm going to start saying it. Here's some singing in the car. Another memory I have of the movie that's very burned into my brain for some reason. This and the pooping grandpa for some reason. But uh, I always, as soon as I heard this, it was like it, I'd heard it a thousand times. Here you go. You say it's your birthday. It's my birthday too. Don't be that, okay? It just, the whole thing, just, I remember it. It's painful. It's annoying, yeah. but I remember it. And very, very true to the, the, the character, the age of the character. Who knows how much Johnny Hughes had to pay for. Uh, uh, just that little snippet of uh, birthday, and then Hey Jude right after that. Oh, do you have to pay for that if they sing it? Is that how it works? Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah, you can't even sing Happy wish, Birthday. I just wish he hadn't had a double A battery in his pocket. If it had been a D, I would have been so much happier. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been pretty. I good. Know, that was there, kind of funny. Like, yeah, I felt how much <laughs> you liked me. Double A battery. Yeah. Well, also, oh, why no. are you carrying around a double A battery? Why the same reason he's the he's the using floppy disks as currency? Oh yeah, that's true. He's the nerd. Yeah. It's just such a. I don't know. I really relate to him in a lot of ways, and it kind of makes me we feel all bad when for myself. When they're panning down all the the row of geeks sitting against the wall before. Uh, I think the first time you see, uh, might even be the first time you see the geek. No, because you see him on the bus. But it's the first time you see the John Kuzak and the other guy mm-hmm. characters. They're panning down all the geeks, and somebody is playing a little video game. A little handheld video game, trying to figure out what would have been around. ColecoVision, probably. Or, say, uh, yeah, sorry, Coleco football, uh, football game. game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it could have been right. The Coleco football or basketball. Mattel, or Mattel football. Or Mattel. Or sorry, Mattel not Coleco. Football. I keep, right. I keep always wanting to think those are Coleco, but they're not. Mm-hmm. You're right. That would um, make the most sense. Hey, yeah. you know what did gross me out though? When, for some reason, you was talking about that. I remember the opening scene where the the couple are, are walking into the school and they've got you know hands in butt pockets. Yeah. And the girls and the girls' pants uh, have like uh, two patches, and they're very close to her like butthole. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is that is that fart holes? I mean, is that why are those patches? Yeah, at that location. How did I and miss I like, this? Those are weird. I don't know. Pants. It kind of grossed me out. They're weird. Weird pants. place to have patches. The boyfriend was also the the uh, good looking guy with the house destroyed while he was walking around his destroyed house had very strange pants on. I don't know if you guys right. noticed yeah, it, like this right. cross pants from the '84 man. Woo, rough Whew. stuff, man. That's right. But anyway, I'm going to oh, wake up. Right. Yeah, people oh. are pointing out that the uh, the thing in his pocket wasn't a double A battery, but it was a roll of certs that he pulls out and oh. says, "I pride myself oh. on fresh." Oh, I, why did we all assume battery just now? That's I hilarious. don't know because it looked like a battery. It looked exactly it, it like, a double like a double A battery. That's interesting. Yeah, good point. That's right. And then he said, a, a "Fresh breath is very is a, is a high priority for me, or whatever." Yeah, yeah. Man- Mandela uh, battery. Yeah, uh, he, looks like, <laughs> he looks like my old friend Craig Homer from those that, that very era and it it's kind of hard for me to watch him. i can see that i can see that yeah uh, just from the name craig homer yeah craig like, homer, he was right. the biggest nerd you'd ever know 
Oh my gosh, Craig. Hummer. Ever called him Craig Hummer? Ever? No, ever it was always no, no okay. not, not even once. Here's a uh, wait. What's this? No, it's just that. Okay, we can use just that for other things. Uh, never. Oh, here you go. I've never bagged a babe. That's a pretty good line. I never bagged a babe. I, it really, it really hurt me every time he said babe. Mm. For some reason, that just seemed like the most offensive part to me. To say babe, just, really? Not me. Babe, just the way he said it, it just felt so. Ugh. Yeah. Yee. You know what I noticed in this movie? There wasn't other than the guy with the penthouse on the on the tra- on the bus. Uh, this would have been high. This would have been the kind of movie where you'd think there'd be a bunch of nerds with a bunch of stacks of dirty magazines somewhere, and no right. one barfed. That's the other thing I thought I was going to get in this movie is a mm-hmm. somebody barfing. Yeah. Nobody barfed. That surprised me. They sure you overused the uh, crash sound effect. Yep. Like any time mm-hmm. a character went off screen and did something, there was the usual crash of a bunch of pots and pans falling down. Yep. Right. Right. Oh, how pissed would you be if in the workout room? Dong oh. and the lady broke through and busted up your whole wine collection. Oh my gosh, dude! Jeez. That, well, how that flimsy mansion. those floors <laughs> yeah. for a uh, yeah. yeah. That's what I was going to say. That mansion was made of paper, and it's so <laughs> weird that we see five million dollars worth of stuff in this mansion that just falls apart. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. A record player with a pizza on it is how I'll always think of that place. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. What? What? Between the cassette that was clearly busted and the record player that couldn't have possibly been how are we getting like david bowie music out i don't of that? know i don't, get that. No, I don't know what we were hearing uh what we were hearing was the receiver of the phone in a glass of water doing like a <laughs> dial tone ah uh, nailed it yeah for some reason anybody though, had their, when, when, anybody had their own line during the no. early 80s? we always wanted i wanted one but my parents weren't going to give me that ever Right. No way. Yeah, the sign of ultimate wealth is the phone in the car in 84. Oh, that yeah, for sure. That was wild because I, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, how do they have a car phone in 84? The idea of a second line in your house for your teenager to jab with their friends, just unthinkable yeah. when I was growing up. Uh, today, and they all have one in their like pocket. Him. So what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you going to yeah, say, Randy? It certainly or? didn't seem like... Uh, Molly Ringwald's family was the well-off. Let's let's help, let her have her own phone line. Yeah, well, he right, could... right. It it was kind of a uh, it kind of you know it, it's one of the reasons why you couldn't totally hate Molly Ringwald's character is because even though she was being a whiny little butthole in some ways, <laughs> in some ways she kind of knew it was constant reminders that you know her life wasn't that bad. No, she loved she her dad. She had a cool dad. He was cool. Right. Everyone likes mm-hmm. that guy, Tom Bosley's poor man's Tom Bosley. He's great. <laughs> What's his name? He's I forget. Great dad in, uh, uh, in um, Breaking Away. That's always my favorite uh, right. role by Tom Dooley. Tom Dooley, that's his name. Yeah. Tom Dooley. Tom Dooley, if you look at him now, he's still alive. Born in 1940. He's getting on. <laughs> uh, he looks like a, a thumb. A little thumb. <laughs> like a thumb. <laughs> like I wonder if he ever got his own phone line. Wrinkly old thumb with his own phone line. Pushing it with his thumb. All right. Uh, we got, let's see. We got a couple more here. Or Paul, uh, I'm sorry. Paul Dooley, not Tom Dooley. Oh, it's Paul not Tom Dooley. Dooley. Paul yeah. Dooley. And when I was growing up, a dually was a big truck with two sets of tires in the back for each side, uh, so four tires. <laughs> Speaking of <laughs> words, the I, best IMDb photo, by the way, of the of the. Uh, oh yeah, Tom Dooley. Because look Paul at him. Dooley. Yeah, or t- sorry, Paul. He looks like a little uh, a little frumpy thumb there, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. He needs to play Paul Giamatti's dad in a movie. Oh, ooh, I could see that. Shut I don't care up. what movie; those two need to work together. That's a great idea. Okay, uh, I don't remember what this is. Or what Boy, man, wait, oh. he's in a movie Shit. called 
Boy Makes Girl. Yeah. Is that like a reboot <laughs> of Weird of Science? Science? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. Probably dumb, though. Sounds dumb to me. Okay, oh, here's the old people talking about yeah. what they want on the phone. Or what do they want? Sex. Oh, Billy Bird. I miss <laughs> Billy Bird. Sex. I picture her in heaven somewhere wearing a bra on the outside of her clothes by accident, just walking around. <laughs> She's the best. Freaking loved her. Did everything she ever did. She always played some kooky old grandma that was losing it. Yeah. What's the movie where she wore the bra on the outside? It was like another John Hughes movie. What was that? She was the grandma that just couldn't understand. She walked around the house with her bra on the outside and made the whole family embarrassed. Ah. I just can't remember it. She's um, she's a she's a freaking It wasn't Home Alone. Was it No, it wasn't Dennis Menace either. No. Was, uh, Home Alone? No. Uh, Maybe we're misremembering it and it's just never happened. Well, no, I guarantee I totally it happened. It yeah, I guarantee yeah. it happened. I just can't think of what it was. Anyway, um, she's awesome. Maybe it's an episode of Cheers. And she know. lived a long time, 94 or something. <laughs> she, she ripe yeah. old age. Oh, was it was it Starman? No, it no, wasn't Starman. It was Starman. No. Wow, she was making movies in the 50s. Holy cow. Yeah, been around forever. She's probably like the, the hot starlet during that time, right? Mm-hmm. Like the... Yeah. Oh, one crazy summer. Was That's the, movie. the ah, one. There Kuzak, you go. Yeah. That's did the you one. did you end up having to type Billy Bird bra to find it? No, I, I was scrolling through her IMDb list. That's how come I know she did so many movies in the fifties and sixties. Yeah, I like the idea that you would have to go from the Billy Bird bra search. <laughs> right, Billy Bird bra. Uh, I don't know what this is. So here's this. Jake! Oh, it's him with his uh, screaming Jake uh, when he's under the <laughs> oh, table. Oh my Jake! god. Oh my gosh! Oh, inside so the painful. inside the coffee table. Yeah, yeah, that's some puberty still trying to work its way out. Um, <laughs> th- and I don't think this is his real voice. This thing I'm about to play, I think, was done in post and not by him. And so this is Anthony Michael Hall making a weird sound, and it's not him, in my opinion. Here you go. Eh, eh. It's not him. <laughs> Overdub from some weird. Uh, some other guy in some weird place. Um, here's Long Duck Dong. Oh, sexy girlfriend. <laughs> so there's a the thing. Uh, oh, she's kind of the chick in the bucket. What happened to his girlfriend? Oh, yeah. She just poofed out. She seemed good for him. Unconscious actually. somewhere in the. Uh... <laughs> somewhere where she's 35 and not in high school. She never. Right. <laughs> exactly. She yeah. did not look like she's in high school. All right. Here's uh, Grandpa Fred stuff. I wouldn't go in there if I were you. Grandpa Fred was in there for a half an hour. It's totally polluted. Get dressed. It's your nose. It's your nose, Dad. Good luck in there. Uh, more old people saying funny stuff. He's hate that rock and roll rubbish. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm afraid it's here to stay, Holly. <laughs> I'm afraid it's here to stay. <laughs> uh, finally, Grandpa talking to Dong. Dong, Grandpa is talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I'm still flapping with him more than at him. Yeah, so. exactly. For sure. He, you know, that guy, uh, Watanabe, got so many roles just like that in the 80s. Uh, yeah. Gung-Ho with Michael Keaton and um, yep, uh, UHF with Weird Al Yankovic. It's his job after that. Um, he yeah, is in Mulan. He does a voice in Mulan, which is uh, a, a bit of a departure. It's good. A more respectful sort of Asian thing. Good. Uh, here's uh, Go Toward the Light, Carol Ann Lady. Oh, my. Is everything all right? I was afraid you'd have an accident. I 
keep forgetting she is not the person in Waxworks that says welcome to the Waxworks. <laughs> no, that's a, that's, that's a, her. That's no, a male, little person. It's a little person and it's a man. It's not her. Yeah. Well, she was in Waxworks, wasn't nope, she? No. Nope. No. Uh-uh. I did the same yeah. thing done away. I did the same thing. Or maybe I'm thinking of the what what was the other one? The teen, was it Teen Witch then? Teen she played, Witch, she was absolutely Yeah, she was yeah. in okay, that. So she played a similar character in in that one. I yeah, think. in Teen Witch she was the the the, the, the fortune teller. The Obi-Wan character yeah yeah right yeah i remember that all that movie what a fart go in that (laughs) hey that was a that was a that was a good experience Uh (laughs) uh-huh sure was hey check it out you guys look at this right here wait hold on hey it's the film sack checklist and they wonder why a generation of kids all use the r word constantly check they use the word uh, the, the the word retarded a lot. Oh yeah, movie. and the uh, yeah. the, the F word that implies homosexuality. It's not a, it's it's not not a, a cigarette. cigarette. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> don't hear that stuff anymore. All right, next one is nope. that big family needs another bathroom. Check, double check, dude. Freaking, you're all sharing that hallway bathroom. What is going mm-hmm. on in that house? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is jacked up. You have too many kids to have one bathroom to share. You can't. Oh, the dad standing out there with his mouthful of toothpaste can't get in. I thought Nightmare. there was two bathrooms, or maybe just the camera was flipped. Because one time the bathroom was represented on the left-hand side. Another right. time it was represented on the right Why were they always side? fighting the for the that... same thing? What? They were always fighting for that same space, though, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They were always fighting for the bathroom because there's like 12 people in that house. Yeah. So absolutely. But there was, uh, I think there was two bathrooms supposed to be represented. Okay. I don't know. Too much rice at the wedding? Check. They threw too much rice. Rice, rice that, check. That was <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of rice. They, need, they they all that does now, and you notice you don't go to a lot of weddings with rice being chucked anymore. No. It just brings all these like animals and vermin out, and they just. Well, I thought it was because pigeons. Blew, yeah, I thought it blew up the birds. Is that a legend? Oh, is that true, true? Ibit? You they yeah, yeah. That they would, the the right the uh, pigeons would eat the rice, and then it would mix with the uh, the liquid in their stomachs and mm-hmm. inflate. And if after they <laughs> ate all that dry rice, it would kill them. Yeah. Oh the thickened liquid in their stomach. Yeah. That's now terrible. maybe you know that could have been a uh, Mikey eats mixes right. coke and uh, pop rocks yeah. and dies. that's what I'm curious about Herb because I've always heard it, but I I just don't know if it's true. Mm. It totally does. Yeah, it totally sounds sounds fake. I want to look it up. We'll find out right after this Trek connection, which I got nothing from Daryl. He didn't send me Jack. Oh, that oh, really? might have been my fault. I give it to him late. And I, we usually record on Saturdays. I don't know if he knew we were doing cover thon, oh. so I did give it to him, but it wasn't until this morning. Any, so that, any, was, uh, you guys want to just be, well, Dooley, be gentle. Paul Dooley, I think, did some did Trek he? stuff, wasn't he? He, he, might have. Uh, he looks wasn't like he a Trek on guy. Deep Space Nine as something or TNG. Who knows? Or uh, next, yeah, he right. feels like he's been on some stuff. Um, some of those older people, people maybe. Um, yeah, I, I, but I my cursory search yielded not much. I couldn't really find yeah. anything. Except some technical stuff. Can't do it, Captain. Uh, soundtrack great. I give it an E for 80s. It's just all up in it, man. What? 80s is you're right. You're writing the 80s oh, out fully? The number eight starts with the letter E. Okay. Well, yeah. Otherwise, it'd be a, a letter. The grade would be an eight. The letter eight for 80s. Yeah. No, you could have e given it 80s. an 84 out of 100. I could have done that. You're right. 84 yeah. out of 100. Yeah, here we go. Uh, Dooley was uh, on Deep Space Nine, the recurring role of... An Auburn Tane. And he had weird gill face looking head appliance thing on his head. I think so. yeah. yeah. He was the head of the Obsidian Order and the biological father of Ilum Garak. Oh, Garak. Okay. Hey, oh, yeah, Garak. 
Hey, do you remember seeing? Oh, yeah. did, oh. did you? So the other night, um, I don't know if we've all seen it yet, but Ibit and I have been talking about the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which we oh. both loved. Oh, yeah, I want to see Pan that. Panshot. It's fantastic. Panshot. 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 Um, but my favorite thing about it, uh, not one of my, one of my favorite things about it is in the final segment, so an anthology film, uh, there's a guy who's playing French in it, although he's an American actor. He's actually mm. Canadian, I think. Yeah. But um, that guy is in a million things. He is um, Saul Rubinek. Saul Rubinek. Yeah. And yes. in TNG, I'd totally forgotten, but he is that, like, Inter, uh, intergalactic toy collector guy that finds yes. data and won't let him go. Oh, yeah. Okay. So if you ever see that and then you see Buster Scruggs, it's a fun little combo there of those two guys. He always plays skeevy kind of... Yeah. Ooh, God, you all right? Okay. Oh, is everything fine? Okay. Everything good? Yeah, oh, she's fine. Okay, good. Uh, um, yeah, I remember him. The thing I think of most is um, True, Rom- True Romance. He's the film producer whose uh uh penthouse gets completely destroyed with gunfire at the very end with um hmm. a magazine or a place he gang. lives is it a place he lives or a magazine uh, it's, it's a place where he lives okay. the penthouse the okay, suite great. where he lives just somebody shot a bunch of bullets through that's a magazine right. yep uh, that's fantastic all right we're gonna get now to our twitter post this is where you guys sum it up in 100 uh, sorry 280 characters or less uh as is tradition despite the live nature of today's show we still begin things with randy 16 Candles. John Hughes's worst film includes a naked woman in a shower, drunk people hooking up, older people in their underwear trying to hug you, and long duck dong. Just like a horribly overused joke that I should really stop making every week. No, we like it at Mibbit's house on Saturday night. I like that stuff. You should never stop doing that. Never stop. Uh, Done away. (laughs) Done away. 16 Candles. Like four inches of bod. They're talking about hair volume. I can't stress that enough. Have you ever touched it? I guess so. <laughs> this is just an extension of your intro. This is amazing. Wait, I love it. Did we ever figure out what the four inches of bottom? I mean, is she it, it is. About... It's hair. She's talking about. She's talking about hair volume. Yeah, That's absolutely hair. She's not. Yeah, she, she is. is. That's what it was. Talking about hair volume. Yep, she yeah. totally was. Hair body, body volume. Yeah. Yep. Really. My okay. sister. I had a sister who would refer to her hair, uh, how big she'd get her hair with her spray and stuff as bod. I remember that. Mm-hmm. It's stupid. Don't get me wrong. It is stupid, and no, really no dumb. teenager abbreviates it to bod. Uh, Not then. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, finally, but never lastly. No, it's always lastly. Lastly, but never finally. <laughs> Brian Ibbett. I had to scramble to write this during the uh, during the last set of music before film sack. Mm. Uh, Sixteen candles. You could come back in a year as a totally different person, or in six years, Anthony Michael Hall. Oh. oh. <laughs> I like it. I like yeah. what you said. It was only six years after this that we saw him in uh, Edward Scissorhands looking like a completely different person. Yeah, it yeah. really, it weirds me out because it feels like an eternity that he was this skinny nerd, but it was really just yeah. like two, two and a half movies or something. It totally was. I mean, you had Breakfast Club, Weird Science, this, and, this. and then he disappeared for a little while, apparently spent all of his out. Yeah. prestige fitness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Came 20, back. He basically went to 24 hour fitness and took advantage of the name. Came back looking all buff. It says, I found some trivia that says that he and Molly Ringwald after this movie dated for like four years. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. I don't know how that went, but whatever. It's fine. No judgment. Do what you got to do. It's fine. <laughs> were we, we supposed to be judging? We'll I didn't it. know where we were supposed we'll to be allow judging. It. Yeah, we'll allow it. It's fine. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that leads us directly into this. This is. This list here, the alternate titles that were given to the film originally. It was originally called 16 Racist Moments. Mm. Uh, they decided to not do that. 
Uh, and instead, they almost went with 16 canned dolls. I just liked how it sounded. Dolls. 16 canned dolls. Get it? Canned dolls. Because it sounds like candles. Yeah. That's the thinking there. Uh, also, we got some emails. I, I, or one email I'm going to read. The rest, I just want to give a quick thank you to the many people that wrote in with extremely nice things to say about you all being full 400ers. People who have seen every movie, watched yeah. every movie, listened to us for every episode, and have been here since the beginning. There were way more than I expected. So I, it's hard to pick one, so I didn't. Uh, but I just wanted to, to tell you all collectively here, that's amazing, and you're all great, and that we love you more than chocolate. So thank you for your... You're all, <laughs> you're all official members of the Golden Sack Club. That's right, the Golden <laughs> Sack. We call, you're all chodesters, or whatever we want to call yeah, you for short. And, and I'll just say, uh, I, we, we, we thank you for your service. And we grieve your loss. Thoughts and prayers for you sticking with us for 400 freaking episodes of this business. But we really appreciate it. So thank you all for that. Uh, Carl from Huntsville, uh, Alabama wrote in. Says, hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. guys. Why don't you be blue? Anyway, says, love the show. Started to watch uh, my favorite childhood with my son. Just showed him Cloak and Dagger. And he loved it. Yeah. I actually enjoyed it as a father watching Dad Me Coleman connecting with a son uh, of the same age as mine. Very cool. Next is Daryl, the kid with the microchip in his brain. Carl oh, yeah. from Huntsville, Alabama. Now, did we do Cloak and Dagger, or am I thinking we, of something else? We tried. We, we tried to do it. Yeah. It. We were not able to. I'm, Nor have we done Daryl. No, no, neither of those. I. So yeah. he's basically making recommendations and then giving some some story around it. But uh, what's the Dabney Coleman one where we did that? We did see that he's in. It's like in uh, the. Oh oh oh! Uh, it's with Ferris Bueller. It's um. Yes, Project X. No, no, Project X. Uh, it was that's a middle right. e- medieval looking thing. Uh, Lady Hawk. That's it. Oh, Lady Hawk. Right, oh, right, that's right. way old. That was old school. Wasn't you had he to be a four hundred sacker for that one. Was Dabney Coleman and Lady Hawk, or am I mixing those up? It's entirely I possible. I, didn't I am. Think D- Dabney Coleman was in Lady Hawk. Who was the uh, Vigo? No, Rug- you're thinking of Rugger Howard. Rugger Howard. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Yeah. But why yeah. would I confuse Rugger Howard with Dabney Coleman? That's weird. We have no idea. It's really weird. Uh, uh, okay. So there's that. We also got like five emails for no reason that all seem to be asking the same question. Why does Dolph Lundgren look cooler now in his late sixties than he did when he was young and in more movies? I don't know the answer to that, but I agree with it. He's a, I agree. It makes me want to see Creed two and I haven't even seen Creed one. Yeah. You should see Creed one. Creed one's (laughs) great. Creed one. Yeah. It's a uh, streaming even guy. What made, um, uh, made the black Panther there. John Florida, 1968. War Games. That's the Dabney Coleman and Ferris Bueller. Ah, oh, there's the there connection. And we have seen that one. Yes, yes. we have. Yep. All right. Well, we'll we'll uh, keep Daryl and uh, Cloak and Dagger on the list. And if they uh, show up streaming, we're, we're all in. Maybe these are. We should check. Faux okay. show. Speaking of which, next film. Randy, what do we got lined up? I have no idea. No, I was about to oh, say, Randy. I'm just kidding. It's like, no. It's gonna, it's gonna be the eyes of Laura Mars. We've been oh, uh, right. talking about this. We're gonna that's go over right. to Amazon Prime to watch this. Mm-hmm. So, uh, folks, get your Amazon Primes primed. Yeah, and, prime it up. Uh, and... We'll see you here. Yep. Uh, if cool. if you don't have that, you can rent it for cheap. It's one that Randy or uh, Ibbett's talked about for years. Um, yeah, he won't shut up about it. I've never, I've never seen it. I just remember, I remember the movie poster haunting me. As yes. a kid, and it was like right around the time that I was seeing a lot of movies with my dad, but it was a lot of like E.T. and Goonies and Ghostbusters and stuff like that. And uh, there was this 
Eyes of Laura Mars poster. And then when I found out it was a woman who could predict murders with her camera or right, something like right. that, I said, why have we not watched this? It sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's got uh, who's the who's looking all young in it? I forgot. Oh, da- uh, Tommy Dunaway. Lee Jones. Fade Dunaway looking very young. Yeah, but oh, is it Tommy Lee Jones in it? But there's open Bill, shirt. Uh, also, Tommy Lee Jones. yeah, yeah, right. It's got a mullet. Everybody style. looking much younger in 1978. Tommy Lee Thornton. Yeah, Tommy <laughs> Lee Thornton. I don't care. He says. I don't uh, care. Uh, so anyway, that's uh, next time. That's next time on Film Sack. So uh, get your homework done, and, and uh, we'll see you there. Uh, before we uh, do our final uh, stuff here, uh, Brian, any, any final shout outs you want to make about the, uh, the uh, this event that you're running today or anything you want to uh, tell people? Well, if Tina's keeping things up to date, I'm sure she is. We're already up to uh, $1,344. Nice. So nice. We nice. are well on our way. And there's still 12 hours plus left of this thing. So we're not even uh, a quarter of the way, <laughs> a third of the way through. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we're getting too old for this yeah, shit. And. And just during this segment, I mean, it's gone up by like 60%. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's gone up quite a bit. So thank well, you guys well for done, film bringing sack. all the boys to the yard and they're like, mm-hmm. it's better than yours. Yeah, look at my milkshake. <laughs> it brings them here. Uh, well, fantastic. It's been great to be here and love doing this thing live. Uh, thank you all for being here live. And for those listening at home, thank you, as always, for listening. Filmsack.com is our website. You can find us via email access uh, at filmsack at gmail.com. And you can also find uh, us on Twitter, at FilmSack. If you'd like us to leave us reviews wherever you get your podcasts, that'd be great. Uh, by the way, just a reminder to you Spotify listeners, if you are down with the clown and like to get your podcast through Spotify, FilmSack is currently on there and uh, available. So go get it. Check it out. That's going to do it for us, for me, for Brian, for Brian, and for Randy. Donger need food. <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Yeah, I didn't play right. Hold on. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. <laughs>